0: But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever
0: you are... However you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by co-hosts Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, and Weston Williams. We are live on WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago, 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. Call us on air, get your opera voice heard. What's your opinion on what we're talking about tonight? 847-866-9687. You can also tweet us at Opera Box Score. All right, tonight, a handful of OBS alums made high-profile performances last week. Our team plays Monday evening quarterback and reviews the work of some of our past guests. But first... A just-released annual report by arts consultant Drew McManus shows that the average compensation for music directors of 64 American ensembles has topped $600,000 for the first time ever. Our boys don't make quite that much, but it's not going to stop us from crunching the numbers and figuring out why conductor's salaries are on the rise. Plus 9.40 p.m. or so, two-minute drill, everything you need to know from the past week in opera land, plus our team's hot takes on those stories. Really good show tonight. Really, really good show. Loaded up, not least because uh, Tobias Wright is in the house.
2: I am in the house, George. I I had a summer weekend in which I made smash burgers on a griddle. Oh yeah, on oh, Saturday man. night, and then <laughs> on Sunday night we had stuffed jalapenos and we grilled oh. brats. And pepper. It was just a beautiful weekend. It was America for w- were me. Were you all alone? in the neighbor. I was not alone. I was surrounded by loved ones and friends. Such as Matt Cummings? I, Such as Matthew. I don't know which of those I am. Maybe neither. But. You are my lover and friend. Perfect. Aww. You, guys,
0: you guys drinking uh, brewskis?
2: I may I have had a we, w- a one or ten. We had a nice
3: variety going on.
0: <laughs> I'm all about the dark and stormy this summer. Ginger You're beer just, and dark rum.
3: You oh. can't be a pirate, George. <laughs> Keep trying, girl. I know,
4: I Yarr. know. How about you, Weston? Well, I wasn't invited to this shindig, so pretty awful, George. Well, now I feel bad. bad. I it's it's so was George.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> we had our own little gathering. It was great, and you guys really missed out, <laughs> I promise.
0: That would be a lie. Let's talk some <laughs> more.
1: Subject to interpretation and analysis, let's crunch the numbers.
0: Hey, thanks, Norm. Hey everybody, Opera Box at WNUR 89.3 FM.
3: Haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah,
0: it's been a while since we've done crunching the numbers. This seemed like a great week to get into this. Writing in the New York Times, classical music editor Zachary Wolfe noted this week that, quote, the amount orchestras pay their conductors is increasing. Average compensation for the music directors of 64 American ensembles analyzed in an annual report by the arts consultant drew mcmanus topped six hundred thousand dollars for the first time link to that story is on our website operaboxscore.com quick disclaimer here note that the uh, numbers that we're going to be talking about in the segment drawn from tax filings may over or underestimate actual compensation because of the inclusion or exclusion of severance or deferred compensation payments bonuses and expenses, and other perks. I guess I should have said that super, super fast, like they do <laughs>
2: in the conversation. That, that is some really, really, really
3: gripping audio. <laughs> <laughs>
5: let's,
0: let's put this into a sports context to start off, with. that's what we do on this show. Toby, run us through some of the numbers from the sports world what are coaches Our our conductors Mm -hmm. in sports are coaches being paid what are the budgets like
2: so i think it's an interesting comparison um and we do pretend to be a sports show so this will be fun (laughs) to do um the thing to keep in mind here though is that each professional sports teams and uh leagues have salary caps and or payrolls right um, much like arts organizations have budgets, um, and those fluctuate from year to year. So, for the sake of this, the NBA salary cap, the National Basketball Association, for those who don't know what the NBA is, um, the salary cap meaning that the combined salaries of the 12 men who make the team cannot exceed 101.9 million. So, 101.9 million is the salary cap in the NBA divided amongst 12 individuals. Uh, the NFL salary cap is a little bit higher, but again, they have fifty-three men on the roster, and that's at one hundred and seventy-eight million. Baseball doesn't have a salary cap, but the highest payroll is the Boston Red Sox at two hundred and thirty-five million. The lowest is Oakland uh, Athletics at sixty-eight point five three million. So we think about this, and it's a huge disparity. It's a huge disparity, yeah. but it's that way in opera too, and it's that way with symphonies um, and conductors uh, in that. I mean, the Met has over a $300 million budget, and then you look at some of the programs we talked about recently, like when we talked about our summer tour, Opera um, North has a budget of just north of $1 million, so... It's it's a fair comparison, which has to
3: stretch pretty far when you're putting on oh, three shows and, one and paying an orchestra yeah.
2: and yeah absolutely and for
4: a, a nonprofit as well. The, the, this is not sports where you're getting the big Coca-Cola right. deals every every couple days.
2: Right in sports, these these salary caps. I mean, they're they're influenced by revenue that they've generated and by ad share. It's so there's so many different things at play. So um, for the NBA with the salary cap at 101.9 million, the highest paid. Uh, coach is Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs, and he makes eleven pop. He makes eleven million dollars a year. Not so, yet. I mean, what, that's ten percent of ne- <laughs> <laughs> what a Trump. So he makes he makes ten percent of the payroll, um, which is interesting because I know hmm. that there are some artistic directors who are scaled their, their contracts are scaled that way, so they make ten percent of whatever the budget mm. is for that year at mm. that particular uh, organization uh, for the NBA or for the NFL with a one hundred and seventy eight million dollar salary cap actually the highest paid coach is Bill Belichick of the Patriots deservedly so greatest of all time and he makes <laughs> the estimates are somewhere between 10 and twelve million dollars um, so
0: so he's making a lower percentage of the of the salary cap
2: yes. Um, and then in the uh for Major League Baseball, Joe Madden's somewhere around five million. That's hard to gather that information. There's only estimates there, but Joe Madden is the uh, manager of the Cubs. And I would say that if you were here in 2016, you'd say he was he is worth every penny of that five million. It's only
0: a dollar from every fan that was at that victory parade. So. <laughs> That's
2: it. And uh, you know what? Everybody would pay that for that emotion to service again, right? <laughs> Except the White Sox fans. And so I guess what you take away from that is that if you look at it at a percentage-wise, you know these guys are making still a, a hefty percent of what the salary cap allows. You know what I mean? But unlike an opera with the conductors in these sports organizations. Um, the high, the coach isn't the highest paid. It's not the conductor where the conductor's making somewhere you know north of 600k, and the musicians are making fractions of that. So the coaches in professional sports actually make less than the players. And I don't know if that's an mm. important distinction to make, but it is of note uh, when we'll the comparing players for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Then the star players for sure. And I should have said that. You know, the highest paid baseball player makes 30 million dollars a year. If we're in the wrong business, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right, I'm jumping ship right now. Out. Uh,
4: but that is uh, something interesting to point out that you have uh, these uh, these conductors making uh six hundred thousand dollars I believe in the uh, in the uh, article um, this is the article is about symphonies more than operas, but True. a lot of the things you know uh, kind of slide over uh, It found that uh, for where information is publicly available during the 2015-2016 season, uh nine music directors in the u s made more than
3: a million dollars. And you have to think here, about here
0: in Chaitan, It's a little over three million for yeah. uh, Ricardo Muti.
3: Coming in at number two with Jaap van Zweden of Dal- formerly Dallas, soon to be New York. Phil coming in at number one at over three and a half million. Yeah, three and a half
2: million. And you can cons- and that included a one million dollar bonus? bonus. Is that for for, for for sorry, Westman?
5: Yeah, stepped on your I toes. I I
4: just uh, all these just millions of dollar numbers. I mean, it's 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 a little overwhelming, especially when you consider. That you you know you can easily go into uh, a situation as a performer a, a singer or a musician and be paid minimum wage or less in many of these same well I've been in a young artist I've
2: been in a young artist program where I was making less than four hundred and fifty dollars a week yeah and I knew that the principal conductor at this company his Salary was ten percent of a twelve million dollar budget. I mean, that math is pretty easy. That's a lot of money, and I'm like, wait. So you can have a twelve million dollar budget, and and then, I mean, granted, I agreed to the contract, so I can only be mad at myself, Toby. right? But the point is, is that what is the market value then for the musicians? And it's it's that discrepancy is wild. And in orchestras, that's not quite so much of a problem because they have such a
3: strong union sure. to protect right. them, which freelance singers definitely do not. Have especially at the young artist, at the young artist stage, where you're taking anything mm-hmm. because you're just trying to get lines on your your resume in some respect and and experience and sure. hopefully making a living. But honestly, like that usually comes at number four or five on the list it's- when. <laughs>
0: opera box score on wnur 89.3 fm talking about a recently released report on symphonic conductors salaries and making some parallels to opera land as well as to sports sports so um Cummings, we're looking at these big numbers here over three million dollars from the chicago symphony orchestra conductor ricardo muti i mean for a not-for-profit
3: is this truly the best use of their money? I just have to wonder if it is, and the article points out a lot of the a lot of the reasons why it might be. In terms of you know, you want the prestige, you want people who will inspire donations. That's what the donors want to give you. You know, there they want to have the best. You know, there is you know? some sort of competition between these organizations. But if you look across the board, it's not a it's not a great time for classical music organizations, and mm. I have to wonder if that's really the best way to solve these problems because it seems like they're perpetuating it well and like
2: here's one
0: of the arguments though is that if you're on the board you want the famous conductor and the expectation is that that conductor is going to pound the pavement finding donors getting donors to give so isn't the argument that these conductors are paid so much money because they're expected to essentially recoup it
3: I think that's the argument in theory, but I don't know how... I, yeah, that's there, not the reality. There's not really any... Da- or, and there's no real data that you can pull. You can't crunch numbers like that because, you mm-hmm. know, it's all it's all very soft. But mm-hmm. there are things that we know are issues in, in classical music and in symphonies and in operas. And that's declining audiences. And that is very much tied to, you know education and accessibility of mm-hmm, this music. Right.
4: And I feel like uh, that's another thing with the, you know, if you want to hire your big famous conductor, um, the, the problem is I feel like most newcomers don't know about or don't really care about big conductor names. Certainly if you go back to say like the 1960s, you've got Georg Schulte, Carry on some big names like that which were more household names, maybe they're worth it to get people to come to your performance. But nowadays, uh, unless you're already in embroiled in the classical music community, you, you don't know a lot of these conductors, really. I mean, the what was the what was the guy who got paid the most? Oh, what's his? Yep, Yefim
3: Fursaev. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, crying. who
4: who who? Well, he's, he's not kind, a household name. Well, anywhere. he's kind of an
3: up and comer. That's hey, he's an up and comer. I mean, he's an up and comer in, in his in his mid
4: fifties. Is he <laughs> but, worth that much money? Well, so here's the thing. promotional standpoint?
2: I do think that the this, like the amount that these guys are being paid in relation to what you know, the fact that these are not for profit organizations that that is bothersome especially with some of the problems financially that so many organizations already have and that being said the other side of that coin is that if the market will pay you that you take it right and so like, mm. nobody I can't I can't sit here and say that if I were a conductor and someone offered me 600K that I would say, no, that's too much money. Here's, no, because if you're going to offer it to me, it means you have the means to give it to me. I, I, I'm not
0: sure. Well, we know that's definitely not true. I'm
5: yeah. just not well, sure. Right.
2: That, I mean, I'm
3: not sure that they actually do have the means to offer, this is, this is part of the to offer that high of a, you know, to offer that high of a percentage of their operating budget, whatever it will be, or or just that substantial that the trend is that you are, have these people who are almost universally older white men mm. who are making all the who are making all the money and taking up the, the t- just taking up slots and it keeps the doors closed to people.
0: Well, and the irony, of course, right? We'll get to this in two minute drill about uh, nine forty on the show tonight. Is that it's the same white men that are the ones sexually harassing and sexually abusing yeah. everybody. And And that are going to be punished for it.
3: And the org and the in fact, like it even kind of reinforces that because you have organizations that this is their biggest investment. This is what they're investing their donor money, donor money in, is only keeping these stars getting paid more and more and more as the budgets get slashed and slashed and slashed. And I. I, I can't think that this is better of better use than a scholarship or an outreach program in terms of the health of the organization.
4: Now, I think in fairness, we do have to point out that the uh, music directors for these companies do a lot. Yes. Of course. You know, I mean, they're at all the rehearsals, they prepare the music, they sometimes select programs, uh, and then, of course, they do fundraising and stuff as well. Um, so they, they are busy people. Um, but I think it's not so much a question of... Uh, you know um, whether a person is uh, more important than the other parts but he's he, the the conductors are just as essential as any other components so it doesn't make sense to me to have a uh, a musician getting paid very little money when they are just as essential to the process of creating music creating you know art. And it touches i it on that in the article I, it says I,
2: national debates about like Chief Executive Compensation have included sobering discussions about how much that pays skyrocketed compared with an average worker's salary. And And then Gerard Schwartz, formerly of Seattle Symphony, says, Ten times what musicians make, that sounds to me reasonable. (laughs) Um, And you know go ahead Matt well I think it's the the important
3: the most important part of that line to me is the compared to part you know it's not necessarily that they're making imper- like there's no dollar amount that is this is too much money it shouldn't cross that threshold right but when there are things you know when there are other things that are more pressing that that need investment it it seems like the priorities aren't lined up with what the organization Probably really needs
4: yeah, and you need you you what you really need is uh uh, is to be aware of your audience. You need to have something artistically challenging but accessible. I think the 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 what you need to focus on is your programming more than you know who you have necessarily helming the ship. I mean that's still important, but it's so wildly disproportionate to me. I think that the the big the big question here. Is how do we aim for equity, where no one is overcompensated in comparison to other works in the in the group who are uh, workers in the group who are just as essential? Um, especially when you are a nonprofit and you're not in it for the money. You shouldn't be in it for the money. You should be in it to create something, to create art, <laughs> uh, for want of a better word. I, 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 at a certain point, I think, I think. It does come to these conductors at a certain point to say, yes, this is too much money. I don't need this much money. I need to make sure that the art, which is an, it's a non-profit goal, is what is being put out there, not just getting a disproportionate amount of money for myself for a single job.
0: Opera box score on WNUR 89.3 FM. But Weston, I mean, look, man, art should not be free. Music should not be free. You, you can't undervalue what these conductors are doing just because they work for a non-profit. That
4: that is true, Um, but this might get into a little bit uh, more of a philosophical discussion here, and I I will warn you, I have been listening to a lot of early 30s Weimar-era leftist music recently. That's why it smells in here, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to all my Hans Eisler and my Kurt Weill, you know, in in preparation for this segment, so I am ready to go as far as that goes. But I do think that uh, at a certain point, art should be, I think, ultimately free. It can't be free, because we're not in a system where we can make that happen, and therefore there's some middle ground to be found there. But certainly, for a nonprofit to disprop- be this disproportionate, is uh, is indicative that something is out of whack and needs to be realigned
3: in some direction. Because um, what's important in my what what's really the most important is that these that is, is that these organizations survive mm-hmm. and right i don't think that the current system of payments going beyond even the numbers i yeah. mean the the lack of transparency tra- lack of transparency yeah. the weird uh gradations between how much people are quote-unquote worth to the organization mm-hmm. it just it doesn't set up for long-term financial health which we we know I already know
2: that there's so much suffering happening right yeah
4: yeah, it's it's a bad system that needs to be fixed in some way, and um, I don't think
2: uh, this method of payment is what's going to do it. I think one thing too, though, that you know we talk now, right now, we're talking about the highest paid conductors. There are arts organizations right now who do. Um, who, well I think that your artistic director is always going to be or the conductors are always going to be the highest paid you know musicians associated with it but there have to be other there organizations that do function within their means and aren't doing it these are only the these are the companies that can afford to or at least have the money to overpay right, right. or have a donor who's willing or have, to have a kick donor who's that extra exactly. million to,
3: yeah to, to, to give someone a bonus so but what I'm
2: saying is that there's probably a lot more organizations that are very sensible with compensation. Um, and it's probably more closer to the I guess the middle. Um, so right. there's not the giant discrepancy but but at the same time these are the big
4: the big uh, heavy hitters in the symphonic and operatic world that are doing this the worst and they're the ones that are setting the example and creating these trends and supporting these and negative saying this trends. is how it should be and, yes and, and this is what we need to what This is why it's so important that for better or worse, what they do, uh, it's like we always say uh, on the show about the Metropolitan Opera, where the Met goes, the rest of the country follows for better or or worse, or at least Mm -hmm. responds to it. Mm -hmm. So with companies of this stature, of this size, of this ability, they need to make sure that what they're doing is is reflectable down the line, artistically, a high level of integrity uh, in terms of compensation, high level of integrity, all the way down the line, and that that will hopefully become the future norm for future generations of classical music listeners. And when
3: you're talking about opera, like, this gets even worse because you have even more mouths to feed you. have a production team. You have a cast of at least four singers, Mm -hmm. plus usually a full-time chorus. You have, Mm -hmm. you know, that... it, it And you have more people who are competing to be the top dog between the conductor the star singer the director <laughs> director yeah you know
0: and uh, so again i mean just to make that comparison to sports that uh tobias made at the beginning right is that in pro sports the players are paid way more than the managers and the coaches and that is the inverse we would agree mm-hmm. in opera right is, is that uh, the singers are, are being paid nowhere near as much as these.
3: Conductors. I mean, if you're talking about top level singers, you know, you're on in a Trebcos are going to be making a lot of money per performance. Mm-hmm. But most singers are not. Yes, right.
0: yes, yes, yes. Exactly. We're not going to solve it tonight. We might not solve it tomorrow night. It's good to have the conversation. What do countertenor Arya Nussbaum Cohen, countertenor Justin Kim and soprano Madison Leonard all have in common? That's next only on Opera Box Score, WNUR, FM, Evanston, Chicago.
1: Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this.
0: Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Alright, here's a tip. If you've recently started listening to our show, you already know there's nothing else like it. Week in, week out, you get our panel's hot takes on opera news in the two-minute drill. Plus, our patented segments like Fantasy Fockball, Monday Evening Quarterback, and Crunching the Numbers. But you might not know about some of the incredible interview guests who have gone inside the huddle with our team. Like tenor Matthew Polanzani, composer Gregory Spears, Intendantin Kirsten Harms, and Countertenor Jakub Joseph Orlinski, to name just a few. Check out the Opera Box Score archives on SoundCloud. Just go to SoundCloud.com and search for Opera Box Score. And you can tell us about your favorite interviews on our Facebook
1: page and our Twitter feed. Opera Class, Sports Radio Crass. This is Opera Box Score.
0: Hey, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, George Cedarquist on Opera Box Score on WNUR with Tobias Wright.
2: I am here
3: and Matt Cummings. George, did you know I'm making ten times as much as you to be on this podcast right now? <laughs> Don't you dare!
0: Don't you dare! And Weston Williams. I'm the unpaid intern, George. I was uh, I was camping <laughs> over the weekend.
2: And you yeah. survived.
0: We and we survived. Yes, thank you for your thoughts and <laughs> prayers. We really appreciate the c- Cedar Quest family. Really appreciate. it. No, we were in we were in um, uh, Wisconsin in the Wisconsin Dells region. Just two nights, three days, two nights. Little camping, little what water could slide. go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, it did it did rain a little bit.
2: Did you telling. like? Were you guys sleeping in a tent?
0: Yeah, we're doing tents and sleeping bags and the whole thing. They like that's built so a log great. cabin. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, it's, what did
2: you cook for dinner, George?
0: Uh, we we did Mexican fiesta, man. We did like oh, quesadillas man. and refried beans and oh. the, the kids. I don't know the, the kids. they got a little bit bored.
4: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not connected with the, I, the with the, nature. No, yeah. yeah,
0: but I feel like that's look. If you are a father in America, you have basic rights you have the and which include in no particular order you have the right to torture your kids by taking them camping you have the right to bore your children out of their mind during summer you have the right to embarrass them in front of other adults
4: nice nice and you
0: have the right to have sex with the same person more than once a week and not get an STD. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All good things. Ten out of ten. So wow. when they got bored, did you just give them the little ear pods with a, with, with some opera box score and let them run wild around the woods? Whilst making whoopee? Is that what you're suggesting? That's not what I was I suggesting. I think that's what you but suggested, <laughs> you went there awful quick, Mr. Cedarquist.
1: Pass or fail. Here's Monday evening quarterback.
2: Sing it, Doug. It is like football season. (laughs) Do you know that we're only like two, three weeks away? Can't wait. Roll Tide. Ooh,
4: Weston! Oh. Roll Tide! I'm, I'm not backing down.
0: You want to talk about big sports oh, salaries, yeah. man? Nick Saban. What was he, what was he pulling in again? He's on seven that, million.
3: 7.09 million Yeah, he's
0: so was th- so is Harbaugh with my Wolverines. He's Wolverine the uh,
3: the highest paid public official in America, according to Business Insider. Roll Tide! You know, in, in, in thirty nine out of fifty Knock. states, the highest paid public official a college sports coach. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Three of our guests on the last uh, batch of shows made some waves this week. Uh, Counter tenor Arya Nussbaum-Cohen, who was back on our show in January of this year, uh, he just has released um, a world premiere recording on the Naxos label.
4: Mm, yeah, it sounds good, too. I it listen sounds, to reti- let's take a little little.
0: Yeah, let's take a little listen right now. A recording again on the Naxos label, Uh twelve songs for countertenor and orchestra by Judith Wolf.
3: Is the 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 poetry is by Jewish Ju- Judith Wolf? Student. That's correct.
0: Yes, and the music by? Did you want to fill in the, the uh, other I'm, par- I'm,
3: part I'm, of I'm Trying to uh, by by dramatic pause. Kenneth Fuchs.
0: Kenneth Fuchs. Oh yeah, of course.
4: Yeah, I, I really I really quite like the the music. You gotta love that new music for. Uh, a fairly unusual vocal type. I think. I think it is making a little bit of a comeback in new music. Yeah, but. you're you I mean,
2: I, yeah, it's kind of, in new music. It's starting to be used more and more, which
3: is kind of great. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been seeing you've, there ever since you know probably midsummer. I guess there have been opera roles written for countertenor, but mm-hmm. not a lot of not a lot of concert rep is written specifically for countertenor. So that's got to be pretty. And exciting that was beautiful for all. Our oh yeah, just out that
4: there. little clip too. Yeah, he nails. I mean, I remember when, when he was on our show the last time. Just uh, the the quality of the clips we paid played by him. I was just like, oh, so good. He's so good. Come back to the show anytime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Link to that is uh, on our website, opera You can call into the show by way 847 eight four seven eight. 669687. Two-minute drill coming up in about 10 minutes. You're not gonna want to miss that. You're gonna wanna get your opinion out there. Also tweet us at Opera Box Score. Another countertender, Justin Kim, he was on the show in the fall of 17. Uh, posted a YouTube video, which I'll be honest, I didn't really get the joke.
2: I didn't, get, expl- I didn't get the joke either. George. Can someone explain the joke?
0: You're
3: both old okay, so man. for all you guys, the ju- ju- <laughs> <Use> uh, guys, <laughs> uh, Justin Kim was recently performing at, Gly- at the Glyndebourne Festival in the, a revival of David McVicker's pr- uh production of Julius Caesar, the the Handel opera, and that production, like famously, maybe ten years ago, almost ten years ago, was fe- featured Danielle Denise doing choreography during the instrumental breaks of of the aria. Oh. So he had some. He learned her choreography and kind of did it it, it, because it's sort of like it's got like kind of a single ladies feel to it yeah it was like around (laughs) that time in pop culture so he learned the cleopatra part of this choreography and made like a um a reminiscence video of going all over the places like lineborn where they've been working for the summer
0: i i totally missed it i thought it was like a k-pop no it's like a like something like like a
3: classical music flash mob
2: yeah, it's, well, it's real, that, that was actually in, enjoyable.
3: It's, yes, it's it's, it's really char- charming. It's worth checking out on YouTube for sure. Did you like it, Matt? Did you? I did. He, I mean, he is one of the most talented people I've ever met in my life, yeah. and especially he's just so creative. And what really came through for me in this this video. Uh, which everyone should go watch afterwards. Where uh, is is he's just so infectiously happy and uh, positive mm. about it. Do we have a Do we have a clip? To Wait, no, hold to? on. Okay.
2: I think it's funny that you said that because in my notes, I'm going to read you exactly what I said. I said, seriously, Justin is one of the most stupidly talented people I've ever <laughs> seen or heard. <laughs> and the joy with which he sings and shares makes me an even bigger fan of his. And Aww. like this video is just stupendous. And like you could tell that everybody involved is like, "What are we doing? This is great." But Justin the whole time is like. Trust no, me. No, we're doing this. Trust it's, me. It's, it's going to be, be perfect. perfect. <laughs>
0: uh, well, we can't obviously watch the clip, but you can watch why? it on the website, we we well, can't, But we can listen to it. Why can't
3: the clip. We, we, we? can go. listen He's to it. just pulling our leg. There's that dad humor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The other thing I love about the video is that you get all these beautiful snapshots of Glyndebourne, Mm, of like the the dressing room and the lobby and the brickwork. And it's been very dry summer in England. My mother's been over there for three months. A very dry summer. And God, those beautiful lawns at Glyndebourne are all completely dead and
4: yeah, brown oh
3: no but I, what i really loved about this video is i think he should be an example to a lot of us about how you can use social media to advance the art form because like this definitely made the rounds in terms of singers but i mm. don't think that this necessarily like i don't think that it wouldn't appeal to people outside of the art form he's just like he's unpretentious he's charming it's playful yeah and he's crazy talented uh the, his other probably more definitely more viral video is doing uh a spot-on Cecilia Bartoli impression
5: <laughs> at, at Northwestern
3: <laughs> University in, in Lutkin Hall. If you if you search Kim Chilia Bartoli, that'll come up yeah. uh, pretty pretty quickly. Definitely and recommend uh, checking that out as well. <laughs>
4: while we're on the subject of good social media marketing, follow us on Twitter mm. at Opera Box Score. Am I right, guys? Am I right? You are right. You are is definitely right. right. Synergy. Is there any, yeah. is there any
0: Synergy. other... Madison <laughs> Leonard, she uh, had some good review... In um, Washington Post, Amaget, chief critic, at the Post, this was uh, on her performance in uh, one of the title roles, obviously, which <laughs> one? In uh, the Guno uh, Romeo <laughs> and Juliet at Wolf Wolftrat Opera, and apparently, this just getting this from the article is that she kind of stepped in at the last minute, I think, on this one, right? Yeah, I hadn't known that. Oh, before. wow! Yes, yes, uh, Vanessa Vasquez. 2017 Met winner who was scheduled to St. Juliet came down with mono.
2: Good thing they had the 2018 (laughs) Met winner in the wings. That sucks (laughs) by the way to
0: to have mono. And um, I mean, Toby, what was, what was your take on the Majet review of, of our good pal Madison?
2: Well, it was mostly positive. I'm trying to pull it up right now um, for, for Madison, but okay. So let's, let's talk about that. she, Hold on, it's loading. And, and
3: Magette is one of the most. I. She is one of the harshest, most difficult to please critics out there, mm. and it's because it's because she really actually knows what she's talking about, and she's mm. a great writer. She's got high standards. I have a ton of respect for her. I can't think of many things that would scare me more than knowing that she was writing a review of a performance that I was in, <laughs> because it. You
2: know she she can be merciless. She really was, but one of the, she really loved. Um, madison's acting and said as a character she was one of the most affecting Juliets i've ever seen she also sings with a natural sound rather than a self-consciously stentorian opera voice a huge asset so she like she was very positive um with madison who we all know is crazy talented and amazing on stage as well just very compelling so that's exciting um but back to the review <laughs> she tore this apart what did she say here She said it's loud. But McKissick (laughs) epitomized what I might call the the all-your-voice-all-the-time syndrome. He showed a nice bright tenor but had trouble doing anything with it except sing at the top of his lungs, leading to some audible strain. It was especially noticeable because his instincts were good and he tried to sing softly. But what he produced then was simply an underpowered version of his full voice. I just... (laughs) uh, These are young singers. It's not... uh, Yes, they are professionals. Yes, they are at Wolf Trap. So it is... They are the best young singers of the best young singers. But also, what's wrong with full-throated singing? I mean, she's, she's, <laughs> she's saying that there's no nuance,
3: I guess. But I Well, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't expect anything else from it, someone whose favorite singer is
2: Franco Corelli, Toby. You're darn you know, that right. Is, that is, you are yeah. darn right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nuance, th- loud and louder.
0: <laughs> I mean, the other thing I don't agree with necessarily in this review or this approach to review is that Majette writes, the only fly in her ointment, meaning um, Madison, mm-hmm. Uh, Was that her vocal technique, while adequate, sometimes took a backseat to acting. It's like,
2: man. Like, what do you want? That's the whole point. The whole point is, and like, it's okay for characters to be vulnerable. It's okay for, like, colors and and things to go wrong in performance and sound as if you are, I don't know, a human.
0: Truly great singers creating a character know that absolute beauty of tone is actually rather fake. Yeah. And that there's so much dramatic gold to be mined mm-hmm. from having stuff that is a little out of tempo, or just ever so slightly like a, a ragged color. I'm not using the best adjectives here, but I think you get the point. It's like, there's something to be said for just a little roughness that really communicates the idea of humanness and truth.
3: Especially when you're talking about a story that, you know, can come off as kind of tropey. right? Like, who doesn't yeah. know Romeo yeah. and Juliet yeah. at this point? I it's It can be... Like, everyone knows it so well that it can kind of be hard to sit through just a paint-by-numbers Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yeah, and and, and
4: especially, you know, the operatic version, you know, when you have –
3: it's – it's beautiful you, music, but it's not. It doesn't have a lot of contrast to yeah, it. Yeah, it's so. It's so. Uh, it's just always beautiful, and it's coloring. always rich. Yeah, it's just.
4: Mm, I mean, it it sounds real nice, but sometimes I have to, you know, take a break and go listen to Votech for a little bit and come back. You know, well, that's Get, you. I don't know if everyone else
5: <laughs> in the audience feels that way, Weston. I hate Weston, to break and it to I, you. I uh, I do not feel that
0: <laughs> way. <laughs> It's great to have had those three on our show. You could, of course, go back and listen to their appearances on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts as well. Arya Nussbaum-Cohen, Justin Kim, and Madison Leonard. Hey, someone finally figured out that Carl Orff's Carmina Burana work has bad (laughs) words in it. Why did it take 80 years? That's next on America's Talk radio show about opera. Keep it locked. WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago.
1: From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey,
0: George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Boxed Score. So, we call ourselves America's talk radio show about opera. Why? Because we are. With an ever-growing base of fans subscribing to the OBS podcast and a stadium full of listeners tuning into our live broadcast, we are in the ear holes of the opera audience you want to reach. Want to promote your opera-related service or event? Or propose to the barahunk hunk in your life? Maybe you just want the sound of your name memorialized on air by our announcer, Norm Waddell. Anything's possible. Drop us a line at OperaBoxScore at gmail.com for rates and availability.
1: This just in. The Two Minute Drill.
0: Time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. The Metropolitan Opera, Local 802 of the American Federation of Musicians and the American Guild of Musical Artists negotiated a contract renewal deal last week. It's been a lot tougher in previous years, but in breaking with past practice, none of the terms have been revealed. Stage director and arts manager Bernard Uzan, who was accused of sexually harassing and assaulting four women in a Washington Post expose, announced Wednesday he's leaving the Florida Grand Opera as a director, a move seconded by the board who stated that he was, quote, no longer affiliated with the company in any capacity. Amsterdam's Royal Concertgebouw Orchestra fired its chief conductor, Daniele Gatte, Today, following a report published late last month in the Washington Post, that the conductor allegedly made unwanted advances towards two sopranos in 96 and 2000. In 2010, the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra faced a minor crisis when performers found lyrics for an upcoming show a bit too racy for some patrons' tastes. That was Carmina Barana. Well, in its moment of need, the symphony turned to orchestra violinist Tim Reeve and his wife, Catherine Peterson, for help. The couple's resulting tasteful translation of Carmina Baran has been rendered by half a dozen groups. Hannah Rankin was studying for her master's degree in bassoon at the Royal Academy of Music in London when she started boxing. Last night, the 28-year-old Scott challenged Alicia Napoleon for the WBA super middleweight title at the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. Rankin went the distance, but she lost in the 10th round to reigning champion, Napoleon. And on this day, August 6th, the premiere of the Bassarids... By Hans Vanner Hense at the Salzburg Festival in 1996. That is your two minute drill.
1: You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Oliver the Man Camacho. What up, Chicago?
0: Chicago. What up to the USA? What up to the world? We got listeners all over the place. Opera box score, WNUR 89.3 FM. Number in studio, 847-866-9687. Time to delve into the... (laughs) George, you got
2: to repeat the number.
0: (laughs) 847-866-WNUR. If you got uh, letters on your numbers on your phone... You can do it that way too, <laughs> like T nine. Hey, or as the as the cool kids do now, you can just tweet us at Opera Box Score. Weston, what were you doing this weekend besides uh, not being invited to Matt and Toby's party?
4: Going to my twentieth wedding in a row. Uh, I Damn. am at that that tender young age where all my friends are getting married, and I'm going to all their weddings and uh, uh, using up all my money
2: on
0: tuxedo rentals.
2: That's so. awesome. Go, I'm you at you the really tender old day. age where all my friends are getting divorced. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> so this is this is true. <laughs>
0: Well, it's actually more like your 40s that yeah, people get divorced. Start and then And then you make it to your 50s, and then you just kind of give up, I think. <laughs> were, were these weddings Western or in Alabama? Or? Uh,
4: the last one was in uh, the lovely town of Mankato, Minnesota.
0: Hey. Uh,
4: nice little place with uh, very nice people that all sound like this.
0: Why are you making fun of people in Maine with all that <laughs> so? <laughs> I my I my, my accent is very
4: very approximate and I do apologize yeah, to the people yeah. of Maine and I guess Minnesota yes, uh, yes yeah sorry guys oh
0: boy one more person bites the dust I mean Bernard we knew Uzan. we
3: knew this one was coming well there's actually two from, more Daniele Gatti yeah. as well uh, yeah. yeah these are us a- astonishingly bad apology yeah what was that what was, what was the apology from, okay from Uzan?
2: let's talk about it. it wasn't an apology it was a justification for his behavior i'm gonna read it do you want me to read it in a bad accent no I? Oh, please, <laughs> just read <it>. you can <laughs> do it in what? a bad what? minnesotan accent let, let coming to a
0: little accent but toby you give it okay straight first.
2: <laughs> i come from a very uh, this is not me this, this is quote this is Uzan's quote. quote not me <laughs> Thank you. I come from a very different culture. I am of the 60s generation, which is not an excuse, but simply a fact. And I have made my mistakes throughout my life. Uh, he wrote in a release if i have offended any of you i deeply apologize the world has changed tremendously and continues to change every day at a fast speed while i still deny the recent allegations i am realizing that it is very difficult practically impossible for me to adapt to the new rules of behavior in human relationships relations <laughs> groping that i deny completely wait is
0: this part's going to be in the accent can, come, okay, can you do oh, on this So this is
3: when when the post reached out for comment. He apparently said, that, I deny completely. Yes, probably I have flirting with women. That's possible. <laughs> Did I insist or push somebody? That's not possible. Did I push somebody verbally to speak with me? Absolutely not. Did I blackmail someone? Absolutely not. Um, like Ulo, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna. S- I'm gonna say that I'm not sure. I believe you. But not his yeah. own. Like, I'm gonna also <laughs> say
2: <laughs> eh. wrong.
4: Yeah. Good riddance. Walk away. Yeah, just move on, baby.
2: But like the the mansplanation there. If I yes, have offended real. if I have offended you, I deeply apologize. Meaning but I'm from the 60s. What's generation. he saying? He's like, if you, I'm like, like good. <laughs> go, <60s>. go away. <laughs> I'm sorry you misunderstood my advances. No no they were wrong they were it, it was all wrong i you uh, see the first guy to blame his
0: behavior on a generation
2: i would oh, this I, might be a first like how I've abstract
0: seen. can you get <laughs> like sometimes you're like all right it was the booze but you're so, like,
2: it was well, you know, it was, like it was the but 60s when is someone gonna just step forward and be like yeah i did it i am so sorry i quit and then like have we had that, or is it just well, not an opera? I, yeah, I know. No, no, no one said like yes. These are the horrible things that I did. I am guilty of what my behavior well, was. You know
0: what? The one of the weirdest ones, and this is from film though. Morgan Spurlock,
2: yeah,
5: the oh, guy the, the, who the did supersize me. me
2: uh-huh.
0: He actually did exactly what you just said, Toby. Huh. Did he? And he was like, you know what? I did these things. They were wrong. That was bad. I'm out.
2: Yeah. Well, please, and, and please,
0: sir, may I have another. I mean, he really.
2: Yeah, I, and not that that makes it better because, you know, but still this this vegetarian. type of response is absurd. And I mean, I'm sure he has a publicist or an, a manager who actually is his wife, right? And his wife's a singer, S- Dana Sovereign. Yeah, and he, he's his, a manager his daughter is of his a daughter, the daughters yeah. His
3: daughter okay. is taking over the management company, the artist management company. Yeah. I don't know. Move
0: on, dude. Let's let's let's. Move. I can't stomach this yeah. anymore. Yeah. Let's not talk about sex. Let's talk about this Carmina Barana thing.
3: Which is <laughs> so literally the opposite of George, talking. Did about you know sex. that Carl Orff discovered sex when he wrote <laughs> oh, Carmina Barana really? in 1930? <laughs> it's the first time it's ever happened he in was, any art. He was or just searching music. through
4: these medieval manuscripts. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "What is this?
0: Oh
3: God." This, no, this... Weston,
0: you you agreed with this couple? <laughs> <right>?
4: No, this <laughs> article frustrated me so much. Oh West, really?
2: Weston contributed to the new text.
4: <laughs> I I. <laughs> I hated this with every fiber of my being and just, oh, uh, well, okay. Uh, first of all, as some background, I, I, the primary opera company I went to growing up was very much guilty of the sanitized libretto super title thing. And every single time I went, it was so cringe cringeworthy. They used the same metaphors. They clearly were not doing what they were actually doing on stage. There was this blatant disrespect for whatever was written on the page. There was like, Oh, uh, there's, there's this really annoyingly pervasive thought, particularly uh, not just in, in opera, but in, not just in classical music, even, but in the in you know in the arts in general in
3: entertainment too, uh, like old movies that
4: well yes um but
3: but the code in where terms of let's talk the
4: arts right now there is this sense that the arts are good and family friendly and not challenging because it is just you know everyone can come listen to it anyone can come to the opera bring your kids bring the tiny people who can't uh, understand what's going on yet it's good for you it's just generally sort of fluffy and happy it's not it's about life bad but, things
3: happen bad Wow. Dissonances
4: happen. Yeah, but it's, by, sex can be a good
3: thing. I, I'm also saying, like, it, it's just naive to think that that you know something that is a pretty important part of existence you know
4: exactly it's, it's not just sex it's also v- the violence that gets scrubbed little phrases here and there which 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 bury this notion that which creates this notion that art is somehow just sort of placidly fine which undercuts the whole artistic experience if you mm-hmm. look back at um a lot of the great composers most of them were radicals in some way there were very few great composers who were just trying to maintain the status quo and by b- putting out these bad translations trying to it, sanitize it so that anyone can watch it is just and uh, it, it just but frustrates st- me sanitizing so much. it
3: is, a, is is pretend and pretending that you know it's just this piece is is a lie because it's always been there absolutely if you go back and look like oh if you go back to Renaissance madrigals when we think of everyone as being you know very proper and Catholic they are talking about dirty dirty, exactly. dirty things in this music they just use like a Pretty obvious to see through metaphor about swans dying, and, and, and the, like, hmm, the, reason, we, that means the reason we the reason we think deaths. that these
4: time periods were so uh, were so pure and just sort of disconnected from reality and bland and not able able to connect with us in the tw- in the edgy twenty first century is because of things like this where people sanitize works that have come out and and just really rewritten history, uh, and that's what makes me particularly frustrated about Carmina Burana because they're not only sanitized. Karl Carl Orff's work. They're sanitizing the original poems that they're based on from the, like the, what is it? The 12th century, 13th century. Yeah. Oh, uh, this article stuff.
3: made me so mad. <laughs> Look, when you're,
0: when you're doing titles and I've done titles before, I've done it for free. I've done it to be paid when you're doing it. Yes. There's always this question of like, how are you going to take this language, translate it into the language of the audience and retain the intentions Intent, of, the, yeah. of the librettist, right? That's not what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't like the content of Carmina Burana, don't it's put really easy. Well, that's don't what I was do say. Carmina Burana. Exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. It's a programmatic <laughs> problem, not the text. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Oh, but I know
3: it, it Get was, a clue. But it could be tempting to say that this is, you know, like a small town Middle America thing, like, to, because, these, uh, because these originated in Sioux Falls. These are, according to the article, these are the ones that the Cleveland Orchestra used when they did Carmina Barano last like it is, it, this is a problem in the whole art form it's including it's in so its bad major metropolitan it's centers. so bad and
4: and and when you take someone who thinks of if you take a person who doesn't know classical music or opera at all you take them to the opera their concept is this sort of this stuffy out of touched out of touch Victorian thing and they watch it and this and this badly translated supertitles are just confirming that notion and they're never going to come back
0: Exactly, and this sort of work reinforces that perception.
3: Because back then, people got the references, they got the jokes, they knew what was being alluded to. Yeah. And now we're a couple, hum- we're a couple centuries and multiple languages removed from it. You know, it, know what I want you know, to
0: do is, I want to take this bassoonist boxer and I want to set her on these people <laughs> I love this article Hannah Rankin oh, man, studying for a great. masters in bassoon at the Royal Academy of Music the WBA super middleweight title at the Nassau Coliseum that's where the Islanders play by the way um, Toby did you Sports. take a look at the at the photos of this <laughs> boxing match yeah you you realize you awesome. realize that both of these women would like single-handedly kick your ass.
2: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> <laughs> I, I <laughs> it wouldn't even be a contest. I I wouldn't last thirty seconds. Um, no, they are
0: jacked. And, and let me
2: let me tell jacked. you well, from personal experience, they're professional athletes. And what is so cool about that is like, you never know what your path is gonna be. Here she thought she was going to get a master's in bassoon performance and play at the, you know, in the Cleveland Symphony or whatever. Yeah. And now, but like also, that's a quick ascension. Like, to to have started that a couple of years ago, yeah. and then be competing for a That's world those, title. Yeah. Those are both things. Are that you take s- serious?
3: Awful lot of time and attention and training. Uh, yeah, learning an instrument. I mean, mastering an instrument and becoming a top ranked sports competitor. Neither I, one of those is like
2: yeah, an
5: easy.
3: No,
0: <laughs> and, and can we just add? First of all, she went ten rounds. So, yeah she went I, the distance there well 12 rounds is
2: the distance is that I, right? I,
0: yeah I, I said she went the distance that was that was wrong
5: <laughs> Misled um, me I don't know what I, it's, I don't know the distance
0: is, is all 12 but She's going the
5: distance she went I, you would distance. also
0: hope that she didn't like take a shot straight to the mouth because it could really mess up your embouchure yeah. well
4: it might actually help with a bassoon. That was my sick bassoon burn for the day. I, am ho- I hope you all enjoyed yeah, it. I hope
3: that landed with someone. because it's <laughs> uh, well, I, ap- I apologize to all of our friends who play the bassoon. I
4: apologize to all my bassoon <laughs> listeners. Uh, I love you guys. You're great.
0: I, I hope uh, Hannah Rankin doesn't come and chase you down. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I hope she does. And, and, and punish you. Oh, I yeah. Let's, so I sorry. hope she does, actually. <laughs> uh, that, would be, that would be honest. I don't know. I she just wants me on the show. Like, we
2: are the perfect platform. <laughs> the, the thing that's impressive is what you said, Matt, is it's incredibly, it takes a lot of time. It's incredibly difficult to be a professional musician. I would argue it's probably a little bit harder to be a professional
5: athlete.
4: Certainly get hit in in your face a lot more.
2: Well, yeah. But I mean, that's the 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 training and the competition.
0: Look, this is the whole point behind the show that we've been doing for the last three years, is there are so many parallels between these two art forms. Mm -hmm. Sports are an art opera is an art the fan base is absolutely fanatical the money as we've talked about earlier on the show tonight is comparable and yes it's very very difficult to succeed in these professions Mm -hmm. there's a 53 man roster in football you know that's there's only 53 people that get to play for the bears and and those
2: 53 people on that roster are like, if you, if you really break it down, they're the best football player to ever come from their hometown. Mm. They are the best high school athlete probably that ever played in their hometown. And it's like the same at the, at, at the Met. You know, the singers on those stage, those are the best singers, more than likely, um, that have ever originated from their hometown. And you, know? you
0: might not even start on the
2: Bears. Yeah, right.
0: You probably won't start.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's only 22 starters. 22 starters right? so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of depressing in a way, actually.
2: Like the level. Nah. nah. If you it's love competition, inspiring. it's inspiring, <laughs> man. Let's go. There's a lot of positivity <laughs> in this. Like, room. may the best man, may the best woman win. Like, that's yeah. how it should be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying that, actually. It, it depresses me sometimes. So I like to hear you say that. Yeah, I'm all
2: jacked up now. There's
0: so
4: much goodwill
2: in this I'll room right now. i all up on
3: Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Let's no wrap Mountain this Mountain Dew show. I was consumed in the making of this podcast.
1: <laughs> good call, bad call on Opera Box Score.
0: Everybody out there in Opera Land, thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Opera Box Score. At Opera Box Score, again, you can tweet us that way. Time for Good Call, Bad Call, some good stuff. In opera world this week, some bad stuff. Who is going to go first? I got a good
3: call for us. Take it away, uh, Matt coming. Something we talked about a couple weeks on the, about uh, a week, couple weeks ago on this show. Uh, on you know, there, there it is A couple is, weeks baby. ago on this show is the Breaking Glass podcast from Glimmerglass Opera, which is about race, social justice, and opera. Uh, the first episode dropped over the weekend, and it's available on the Glimmerglass website, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and probably other websites. I don't, I don't know anymore. But That's
0: great. Appreciate the shout-out on that. Hey, Matt, did you take that Opera Wire history quiz? I did. I
3: got a I got a respectable but not that impressive 7 out of 10. All right. Early okay. music's not my I not still my have my day. lead. Still yeah. have my lead. Yeah,
0: Weston got a 9, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, and I got a 3. Is, that, <laughs> is a 3 like a C? Like a C minus? I'm pretty, pretty sure that's, that's a pretty, pretty solid curve. Curve. <laughs> <laughs> no Oliver's, um it. Oliver's got one to pass along. He says there's lots of activity at Ravinia, including a recital by father son-in-law duo thomas hampson and luca pisaroni that's tomorrow mini festival steen's musical institute program for singers concerts and master classes and nadine sierra and michael fabiano in recital this weekend we are working on getting both of those individuals on an upcoming show it might take us through the end of this year but both of them are going to be on this show
5: you heard it
2: here first
0: toby weston anything to add yeah i
2: got a good call Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza is over that's a great call yes for all of us enjoy
0: going going on the train
4: without fear
0: Uh. (laughs) Lollapalooza, it's it's the worst well the air and water show that's also pretty toxic
2: I can't wait though. But does it affect there, the red line as much? There are airplanes <laughs> at that at least.
0: There's a lot fewer people with their jean shorts up their butts at the Aaron Water uh,
2: Show. Oh, I feel like
4: that's not. A, I feel like that was a selling point though. <laughs> no, I, uh. right up the butt, George. Right up the butt.
0: That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera. General Manager at WNUR is Nick Anderson, our announcer, Norm Waddell. You can visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. and leave a review, please, pretty please. When you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, the creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, and Weston Williams, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera around the campfire. We're back on Monday, August 13, 9 p.m. Central. More interviews, more opera news, more hot takes. Join us. This is WNURFM Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's sound experiment.